One final time, welcome to the Eagles Insider Podcast. I'm also Chris known McPherson. as Eagles Beakley. And it's also known as other things by many others. But we are here, the official Eagles Insider the Podcast. The one and only Eagles Insider Podcast. <laughs> the uniquely Eagles Insider Podcast. We didn't really do it last week. I meant to go off on, on, on Jimmy and Tommy <laughs> yeah. to declare fatwa, but... But I think they changed it. So they changed they, that. They they knew they were in our uh, in our sights. They went, with another, they went with another Eagles <laughs> Network show. But then they changed it again. I think. Did they change oh, it again? Yeah. I saw on their site they made like a joke about. Oh, it. this is this yeah. is pontifications of Bo. That's right. This is the soundtrack. Mm, I'm not. This go. isn't deep. This is like angry. <laughs> this is. We were ready to to declare war. But. You're allowed to be angry. That could be. Part of the reflections. So they changed it. It was they changed it from inside the Eagles. Yeah, that's what, which is the name of one of our Eagles yeah, Network right. shows. Yes. Yeah, they changed it to uh, Eagles Insider with Dave Spadaro. Eagles, <laughs> Eagles Nightly. Yeah, they changed it to Eagles Nightly. <laughs> they changed it to uh, Birds Twenty Four Seven with Ray the Rant. <laughs> Presented by Philly.com. There we go. So I'm Chris McPherson, alongside Bo Wolf and Fran Duffy. Um, Happy New Year to everyone out there. Hope you're enjoying the holiday season. The Eagles end the 2014 campaign on a high note, beating the New York Giants 34-26. to Good to see the team respond after losing three straight. Good to see them send the Giants into the offseason with a loss. The Giants were red hot coming into the game. But obviously fans, I know, don't want to delve too much into that. They want to know what's going to happen moving forward. And this is going to be our year in review show, and we will look ahead to all the big questions that are going to face the team this offseason. So before we delve into the real deep matters. Any thoughts on the Giants win? Anything you want to just touch on real quick? I mean, for me, the only thing is good to see that the team with, from the outside perspective, nothing to play for. Good to see the team respond the way they did and come out wanting to win that final game. Especially after giving up the touchdown right away uh, to begin the game. You know, it's possible they could have just sort of looked ahead to the offseason and rolled over from there. But, you know, Chip has talked about the, uh, you know, it's, it's a, maybe a little overrated, the culture of this team, but uh, to see these guys fight together. Uh, and, and, you know, Chip has talked about how, how great he thinks this group of guys is, so it was good to see that sort of be proof in the pudding. But uh, as far as the game itself, it didn't really matter. So, you know, I'm not excited to, to have to face Odell Beckham Jr. for the next uh, that is, that ten, might be 10 years. Uh, what a prick. It was interesting to see, uh, you know, Nolan Carroll and, and Jalen Watkins on the outside. That was fun. Uh, Boykin a little bit. No, I almost don't want to hear the song now. I almost do not want to hear the song now. Oh, you can still hear the song. We have to. Yeah. He likes it raw. Um, he is but, so good, though. You know, there, so there wasn't good. there wasn't much else in the game for yeah, me. Yeah, I thought, I thought Ike Reese uh, on, the, on the kickoff show brought up a good point. And look, it, obviously, it was two completely different scenarios. Back Looking back to 2012, going up to New York and finishing the season there, the last game under Andy Reid and the team just folded. Uh, in a similar scenario where there wasn't you know, anything in the playoff standings to play for, it was good to see the team bounce back. And like Bo said, they didn't go and fold after that first drive. It would have been easy to, you know, to just kind of you know, fold it in and, uh, and give up there. But you know, they fought back and came up with a win, and it's always good to, uh, to beat the Giants, go out the season that way. So I guess the thing is, let's look at why the Eagles are not in the playoffs. And obviously you're going to say they didn't win enough games. But Jeffrey Lurie, chairman and CEO of the team, spoke publicly for the first time since back in training camp. And he said that he is very optimistic about the future of this franchise. But to watch the team lose three or four to end the season was simply gut-wrenching in his own estimation. And he cited three things. He cited turnovers. Obviously, first and foremost, the team led the league in turnovers, way too many. After setting a team record last year for fewest giveaways, they led the league this year. 
Red zone offense, Eagles were in the bottom half, I think 23rd overall in the league, below 50% touchdown percentage, and explosive plays allowed by the defense, a league high in that category as well. So that's really the biggest area on defense that regressed compared to 2013. So many great things about the defense, but the X plays were by far the biggest bugaboo for this team overall. Um, your thoughts overall on what Jeffrey said about the reasons why the Eagles aren't in playoffs and anything else that he said that might have stuck out to you? Well, I mean, we've talked about those three things all season, and, and it's true that those are the, the biggest uh, flaws with this team. And, and we've also talked about uh, sort of ad nauseum how crazy it is that this team is so different than the 2013 version. The 2013 team, dominant on the ground, didn't turn the ball over. The defense was okay, but what they did really well was keep the plays in front of them, didn't let anything get behind them, not a lot of penalties. This season, the complete opposite. You know, so many turnovers, giving up so many X plays. They last year they start slow, finish strong. This year they start fast, finish slow, uh, and yet still ten wins. So, I mean, I guess that tells you that that Chip can sort of win different ways, uh, which is good. But I'm I'm sure that he would prefer to play, sort of, in the macro sense, like they played in 2013. Um, you know, they. The turnovers should regress a little bit. That obviously has to get better. I'm sure they'll focus on uh, not giving up the X plays. But, I mean, that's th those are the reasons why the Eagles are, are not making the playoffs. And it's tough, too, because and, – and Chip Kelly talked about it all season long when he was asked about, you know, the turnovers and the red zone and even the, the X plays as well. It's not one particular thing in each – in the, all three of those areas. You know, there's different things that lead to each of those individual plays – whether it's something going on up front on the offensive line or the defensive line, uh, guys on the outside maybe not doing the right thing technique-wise, whether it's uh, a receiver running the right route or a corner you know, staying with his technique and playing with the right leverage, uh, all these different things. Or it could be you know, something. some of those turnovers could be on the quarterback, some of them could be on the running back. It's, it's a lot of different things that lead to those turnovers. So really it's a, it's a team effort to try and get those fixed. I thought that Mr. Lurie brought up a really good point too, in that when you look about the difference between the 2013 or you know the 2013 going into the 2014 offseason and then right now where we're at going into the 2015 offseason uh the the big difference is last year I thought going into the offseason you just wanted to collect talent bring in the best players you could at every single position and obviously you want to do that every single year but this year the the perceived needs I think are a little bit more streamlined you kind of see okay here are the things that we definitely need to improve as we go into the 2015 season so the Eagles, 10-6 for the second straight season. Um, Eagles obviously building to be one of the elite teams in the NFL. That's that's sort of they're at the point, and Jeffrey mentioned this during Good his press great. conference. Good to great. That's the big thing. And you take a look at the great teams in the league right now. You look at the, just take the, the four teams that have the buys. You look in the AFC, New England and Denver. You look at the NFC, you've got – Seattle and Green Bay and there's one obvious commonality to all four of those teams quarterback they all have had outstanding quarterback play throughout the course of the 2014 season and I think that's obviously every position is important like Chip Kelly said but even Jeffrey said this that the quarterback position is the most important position in all sports and that's the one that the Eagles have to figure out and Nick Foles addressed the media on Monday on locker room cleanout day for the first time since that season-ending collarbone injury and said, look, I'm the guy. I'll fix my flaws. I'll fix the mistakes. I'll get the turnovers corrected. He was very self-assured, very self-confident, saying that he thinks he'll be the quarterback in 2015. 
And I have to agree. I think he is going to be the guy in 2015. Because I think the one that you can say is Mark Sanchez, good backup, you know, flashed at times, just not consistent enough, too many turnovers. Nick Foles, look, too many turnovers, wasn't as strong as he was in 2013, that, that out-of-this-world season. But you know that he can play at that level. He brings a deep vertical element to the offense, which I think was lacking with Sanchez. And Foles never got to play with the healthy offensive line. And not that I want to use that as an excuse because injuries do happen. But I have to think that impacted his performance to some extent this season. Well, listen, the, the quarterback position is the most important position. And I think there's every reason to expect that, that Nick Foles can be that guy but there's no reason to to count on it. I think you have to I think you have to bring in some other options. Um and at least think about explore other options because uh because the position is so important it's worth uh it's worth looking into. So I think, I, I, I think the that. Eagles will will look into uh, every possibility they can to see if there's a way to upgrade the position and uh if not it'll be Nick Foles and if if so maybe there'll be some competition but um you know, Nick Foles of 2013 was great, 27-2, and the Eagles still lost in the first round of the playoffs. Obviously, you expect him to, 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 to grow, but if you have an opportunity to get better at the most important position, I think you have to take it. I think if, if 2013 was Nick Foles high and if you take this season as Nick Foles low, I think you could take that moving forward and try and win with that. Uh, I think that Nick is probably going to be the quarterback. I, I would, you know, and obviously anything can happen in the offseason. We've got eight months to see how this is all going to pan out. Certainly. But I would think that he'll be the quarterback, and I think that he can, you know, we can win with, with Nick Foles. So, uh, you know, you get him in there, would imagine that they're going to add some more pieces to this offense. I think that Nick Foles can, you know, can play at a high level. I guess the biggest thing is everyone's going to be obsessed with the draft. Eagles pick number 20, you know, a lot can happen between now and the draft, but I know everyone's going to be infatuated with what will it take to get Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota. And I would expect them, if everything pans out, they should be two of the, if not the top two picks, two of the top five picks. And you guys know more about the drafts. Certainly, you, Fran, you've been studying the college guys. You would have a better estimation of that. Winston stinks. You know, but I, I just don't see how you can get, you can get that high. It's not impossible, but you would be basically mortgaging the future and saying that that is a guy. It would be an RG3 type deal where you're saying, look, we're going to sacrifice the next couple of years draft wise to go get this guy. And I'm not saying because RG3 hasn't panned out the way that Washington expected him to, that you don't do such a move. Yeah, you can't let that deter you. No, I totally agree with that. But I just feel like there are so many other spots there's other areas where this team needs to continue to build, to get younger, get deeper, that I don't know if it is worth what you would have to invest to get up there to get it. Well, I mean, think about all the positions. You're right. Think about all the positions that over the next two years the Eagles need to, to get younger or better. I think you, at some point you need to, to add a, some more talent at running back. I think you need to add maybe a little bit more talent at wide receiver, maybe. Tight end, maybe. Uh, definitely the offensive line, at least one or two spots. Defensive line is pretty good right now, and they're very young, so that's good. I think you need a new inside linebacker for sure. I think you need another outside linebacker, depending on what happens with Trent Cole and Brandon Graham this offseason. And you certainly need help in the secondary, both cornerback and safety. That's a lot of positions. So if you're going to give up the equity of all, you know, a bunch of draft picks, 
you're gonna have to figure out ways to patch those other holes. And if the guy isn't, you know, Andrew Luck, then then you're gonna be you're gonna be fighting uphill. Well, that's At the, the same point, if you know, if Chip says Mariota's the guy, like he's my guy, it's such a unique. It's situation. very tempting to to give him his guy, but uh, we don't know we don't know how that's gonna play out, and we don't know exactly what the cost would be. And the other thing is, you know, if you if you're Tampa. And you love Marcus Mariota. Why? Why would you trade down? Exactly. Right? Like it takes a willing partner. So um, there's a lot of variables. It's going to be fascinating to see. But but this team is not is not one one position away. And it's tough to say right now. We're sitting here. It's December 30th. Uh, on December 30th of 2013, we sat here and said that Teddy Bridgewater was going to be the the 31st or 32nd pick. We would have all said that uh, that's crazy. Now I'm not saying that Mariota or Winston will fall the 31 or 32, but they could you know. Put, potentially if they're at 13 or if they're at seven or something like that now it's uh, a little bit more it's a little bit easier to swallow a move to that kind of spot if one of those two guys was someone that our guys would want to try try and make a trade for uh then you know we approach that then it's tough to say right now but uh at 20 looking at the guys that are available right now you would imagine that Winston and Marietta will both be off the board Certainly. in the top five so um I I don't know. It's tough because we just talked earlier in the uh, earlier in this podcast. Quarterback's the most important position. So yes, if the, if that if one of those two guys were your guy and you don't think you have that, then you try and make the move. And it all comes down to what the coaches and the personnel guys what exactly. they think of this quarterback group. Yep. You guys want to take a quick look at the position groups? Let's do it. Heading into the Real off quick, season. Sure. Yeah, let's do it. You know, kind of, so quarterback we kind of delved into. Obviously, Foles, Kyle Hill be the guy. Sanchez is a free agent. You have Barkley who. Didn't get to play any meaningful snaps this season. Um, to me, I guess with Sanchez, I appreciate how he came in. He was a consummate pro. I know there were people who on the outside thought, you know, that you saw how his Jets tenure ended and they didn't want to see any part of that. I thought he quit himself nicely. I thought he rebuilt himself quite well. He fit Chip Kelly's system pretty well. I think he's he was a good backup. I think he did a good job as a backup, but as a guy that you need to, you know, be the guy, be the quarterback, not quite at that level. No, and I think, you know, you know what you have in Mark Sanchez and you know that he can run the offense efficiently, so I'm sure there's, there, there'll be some level of interest in potentially Certainly. bringing him back. He may want uh, another opportunity elsewhere. But we've also seen with this offense, I think, that there are, there are opportunities to plug and play guys. So there's going to be, you know, veteran cast-offs available that's knows, what could be that's like, what could be know, interesting yes guys like jake locker or maybe sam bradford or maybe ej Manuel, or or you know some of these guys i don't know who sh who ends up shaking loose but maybe maybe you think they're uh, uh gonna be better suited than than mark sanchez i don't know i think i think we've seen that w with a baseline level of play it's good you know you can have a an adequate backup in this offense and that's the thing is that i don't know you know you, you mentioned the jake lockers and the ej Manuels and the the sam bradfords i don't know that those guys would necessarily be an upgrade over what we saw from Mark Sanchez over eight games. So uh, to me, Sanchez has done enough to, to – I would think that they'd be okay with bringing him back. Uh, but if you were to go and make a move and say that one of these guys may offer more upside or, you know, may potential, you know, be a starting quarterback down the road, then you bring one of those guys in. But it's tough to turn down a backup, backup quarterback of his caliber who has experience in the system, show that he can, you know, take the reins and you can win some games with him. Uh, it's tough to turn that down. So. No question whatsoever. So you know what you have with Sanchez and, you know, how we fit into this program. We'll look at running back. 
LaShawn McCoy, you know, he didn't talk to the media on Locker Room Cleanout Day. His last comments to the media were at MetLife Stadium following the win. And he kind of, you know, sounded unsure about his future with the team. And obviously he's under contract, has a long-term deal, you know, but he was asked and he openly talked about how he might have to restructure a contract in order to come back here. Um, All things being said, you know, with the offensive line shuffle, with the perceived struggles that he was having, he still rushed for over 1,300 yards. I forget exactly where he finished in the NFL pecking order, fourth or fifth. His second best season. It was his second best season, the sixth best individual rushing season by an Eagle in franchise history. You know, and you still you know that with what Chip Kelly wants to do on offense, you need to have the feature running game. No question to me that he's the guy. Yeah, and Chip says he wants Shady back. Uh, there may there may have to be some kind of uh, you know cap logistics uh, maneuvered a little bit, but but I would expect that that Shady would be back. And then you've got Darren Sproles and you got Chris Polk, and I think. I think we'd expect maybe some other young guy gets thrown into the mix at some point, mm-hmm. but uh, I think I think you'll largely have the same group of running backs back. I think it's easy for people, you know, like I I forget where the their quote unquote report came from, but you know, people saying like, oh well, you know, the Eagles could trade Lashawn McCoy to move up in the draft. Well, somebody's got to be, you know, with the amount of times that we run the ball, somebody's got to be the running back, and you yeah. know, you're not going to give uh, Darren Sproles 20 touches week in and week out like saying you know I don't know if Chris Polk Chris Polk hasn't shown the ability to stay healthy either so and uh, Chip mentioned that at his press conference on Monday somebody's got to be the ball carrier why wouldn't you want LaShawn McCoy back on this team uh he's still young he's very productive Matthew Tucker (laughs) I like Matthew Tucker but uh you know he's still young he's still very productive as we talked about I don't think there's any reason not to bring him back so we'll see we go to tight end very very strong group Top to bottom. Yeah. Brent Selleck, great all-around guy, great team guy. Obviously more of a blocker this season than a pass catcher. Zach Ertz thought he wasn't utilized as much as I would have expected. Now, I didn't think going into the season that he was going to put up monster numbers like some people projected, but I guess I thought he would be more consistently featured, especially just with the matchup problem that he presents. Um, and then your, your other two guys, James Casey, Trey Burton, outstanding outstanding special teams guys no question about it but Brent Selleck said himself he thought it was the best group of tight ends that he's ever played with in his time in Philadelphia um but Zach Ertz I think is the guy you're looking at still a player that's got some upside guy who's on the rise going into his third year next year yeah and I think you know he says uh he made a big jump in his his blocking this season from game one to game 16 so uh he'll look to do that again this offseason so we can get on the field more um but you know he's an exciting young player he's an exciting uh, piece for this team I think I think maybe we'll see a little Trey Burton on offense next season if he takes a step forward so it's a it's a it's a it's a good group for the Eagles here I don't know that one through four if anyone has a better group of tight ends in the you know in the league obviously there are I don't better know how many tight- teams carry four tight ends All right, well one through three then I don't know the, who's got better one through three because uh you know this group is definitely one of the strengths you know if you're going to rank the position groups uh, of this roster uh and as far as Arts is concerned, look, I mean, he's still, regardless of the, the production week in and week out, he's still one of the, the biggest mismatches at the position around the NFL. Uh, I can understand the, the use of him because, look, you're, you're trying to dictate matchups. And if you think that there's a weakness in the secondary that you're, of the team you're going up against, you're not going to put you know, two tight ends on the field because you want those guys, you want all those corners out on the field. You're trying to play the matchups. It's a week-to-week thing. And so – uh, it, it makes sense in my eyes, the, the week-to-week production. Um, but look, like I said, this is the, one of the strengths of this roster for sure. 
offensive line, good group, not as dominant, I would say, as 2013. Injuries obviously playing a big part in that, where last year they had the same five guys, all 17 games, including playoffs. Here, I forget the final number total in terms of uh, offensive line ten configurations. Starters. Ten, ten, ten different starters. Ten different, star- ten different starters. I don't know how many starting groups, though. Starters, starting groups, that's yeah. the question. Yeah. But still, so the silver lining you could say is you learn about certain guys. You know, you got to develop some young guys. You know, David Mulk, you know, got to play some backup center and they got to see Andrew Gardner. Matt Tobin finally got some significant reps. The thing is, that was a group I think you were counting on to really bolster the offense moving forward. And it seemed like once they got healthy, once they got back together, they were they were starting to peak. And then I feel like at the Seattle game, that was a game where I was really looking for them to kind of make that jump to really kind of set themselves apart. And you didn't really quite get, I guess, what you were, what I was at least expecting out of them. Um, but overall, uh, you know, once they solidified themselves, they did, okay, you know, much better than okay. But I think the big question moving forward is you have guys like Jason Peters, who's in his 30s. You have Todd Harriman's in his 30s. Evan Mathis in his 30s. You need to start getting those young guys ready because you just don't quite know when you're going to need them. Yeah, I think I think you know my guess is we'll see the the five guys come back uh, and be and be the starting offensive line next year. But I think you'd need to bring in uh, a talent infusion uh, for those backups. Uh, and you know. I think the two most underrated injuries for the Eagles this season were Alan Barbary and Najee Good because those yeah. were the the top backups guys you mm-hmm. had a lot of faith in uh, at positions where you all where you always get injuries and to have those guys uh, both go down I think hurt a lot you know Alan Barbary I think both in, in game one so yeah uh, you know you counted on Alan Barbary to be a starting quality sixth offensive lineman so you had to you know dip down a little bit. Uh, to those other guys but I think I mean I would be shocked if the Eagles don't take an offensive lineman in this draft somewhere um, you, you mentioned it Todd Evan Jason will have to be replaced at some point over the next few years uh, you know I'm certainly not one to count out any of those guys no because they're you know they, they work so hard and, and they're all sort of physical freaks but um, eventually yeah, you sort of have to get younger there so you kind of saw uh, you saw this season that life is going to end at some point with those five guys together so. i also think uh, i also think lane johnson is is very close to being like just really really good yeah i, I would i would agree and then and look the other thing too you got to take into account uh and you've seen this in the past with teams like seattle for instance where when you've got a series of injuries in a certain area Obviously, you're going to have a little dip in production for one year, but now those guys can build off that experience, those backup players. So you have guys. Barbary has seen a lot of action in this league. Obviously, he didn't play a ton this year because of the injury, but you have Andrew Gardner, who got a ton of experience. Matt Tobin's got to see his first uh, you know, taste of real critical playing time. David Mulk. So you're starting to build some of that depth. So when you, if you do bring some more young guys in, how they compete with some of the established guys that have been here, it'll be interesting to see throughout camp and through you know, the OTAs and mini camps in the early summer. So you go to wide receiver. Big question, obviously, is going to be what happens to Jerry Macklin. And it seems optimistic from the standpoint that the Eagles obviously want him back. Homegrown guy, fits into the culture, you know, came off a devastating knee injury, had the best season of his career by a long shot. Um, can't say enough good things about him, and he wants to be here. So, obviously, that's going to be the big question mark this offseason. Does a deal get done with him? That aside, you, Jordan Matthews, tremendous upside, very productive rookie season. I still think that Josh Huff has a very high ceiling. 
And I know he grew this season. He made, made some mistakes at critical times. But I think that shows how much faith the coaches have has in him. And I think he's going to be a guy. I think he's the guy to have the biggest potential jump from year one to year two in this system. I'm fighting uphill on this one, but I've been saying this season, I think, he's, I think Josh Huff is going to be the best player from his draft class for the Eagles. I just He's got like a different juice in his legs than, uh, than some other guys. I, just, I, I, still have, I still have very high hopes for Josh Huff. Yeah, I I wouldn't disagree with that. I think Huff is. You think it's going to be Taylor Hart? I know because you well, love Taylor Hart. Yeah, I mean, you know, but uh, it's my fantasy namesake. Uh, but Josh Huff, look, you saw the play against Dallas at the end of the game where he you know he took that little snag route, broke a tackle, and went for you know fifty plus yards. Uh, he's got that juice in his legs. Uh, obviously, he brings the the return specialist uh, ability as well. He's a guy that I think is going to be a big part of the offense moving forward. Uh, Jordan Matthews, obviously, I, I think what you saw from Jordan Matthews this year is what you can expect moving forward. You know, he's going to be, I don't know what the final catch total was, but I would imagine it's in the, the 60s, I would mm-hmm. think. So I, I would imagine he'll be that kind of guy moving forward. You know, 60, 70 catches a year. It's uh, what, the, the, the third best rookie season for, yeah. for an, uh, uh, an Eagle? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think his, his, his contributions are sort of undersold. Yeah, uh, I think that's what you can expect from him moving forward. You think he can play on the outside? Well, I, I that'll be it'll be interesting. I mean, it's not that he didn't run any you know uh, any routes on the outside. He didn't line up necessarily on the outside, but you know when the the routes are said and done, once they declared themselves, he was running down the sidelines at times. Uh, that'll be something to watch moving forward. But look, I mean, this is this is a group that's got some young pieces. I'll be excited to see uh, what they do moving forward. Yeah. I I agree. Mac, Macklin coming back would be huge. Yeah. And then you've got Riley Cooper. So let's talk about the defensive line. Yeah, so go to the defensive line. You know, I already said that this is the most promising, the best-suited group going into next season because you have Fletcher Cox, who became a star this season. Benny Logan made tremendous upside, tremendous jump from last year to this year. Probably – kind of lost in the shadows because of how well Fletcher Cox played. Cedric Thornton, I think it was just his usual workman-like self. Very good season once again. You know you know that Chip Kelly is a big fan of his. Howie Rosen is a big fan of his. But it's like he's got these other guys here that just kind of taken all the credit. And then from a backup standpoint, Bo Allen, your seventh-round pick, got valuable snaps. Brandon Bear, you know, was able to get some valuable playing time in there. Um, just top to bottom, very, very good group moving forward. And Vinny Curry emerging as uh, you know, a really, really impressive designated pass rusher. Um, yeah, this is the best group. They also stayed – they were the healthiest group uh, yeah. on the team. Yes. All six guys uh, played. That's how Taylor Hart got his feely uh, with 16. What do you have to explain the feely for those uh, – uh, I'm uh, sure that, that everyone does sound, That doesn't read. sound exactly yeah. good when you yeah. – yeah. A feely is, is when you <laughs> are active – you are on the active roster for the entire season, but you are inactive for all 16 regular season games. It's an impressive feat because it speaks to the health of your position but also the internal uh, belief in you as a, as a long-term player. So feely gets the – it's called a feely because he he's the only one who did it twice. He also had two seasons where he was he was inactive for the first 15 games and then played in week 16 <laughs> and week 17. So he was so close. He's, yeah, it's insane. It's insane. No, quarterback. Life, is a, under- life is a third quarterback. That's also back when they had the third quarterback designation. Right. Yes. But he still would have been inactive. Um, anyway, I don't know that I there's digress. A be- I don't know that there's a better three-man defensive line in the NFL from – one, and we said it was tight end one through four. I don't know that you could go one through six for any of these three, four defensive lines uh, around the league. And a lot of teams play three, four now. Uh, that's better than this one. Benny Logan played at a high level. Said Thornton played at a high level. This group is is really going to be the strength of the team moving forward. You know, uh, 
you don't watch as much tape as Greg Cosell say. But uh, would you put would you put Fletcher Cox in the next group after J.J. Watt in the NFL? Yeah, yeah. Him, like, you know, I guess your boy Wilkerson and, and Richardson. And yeah, uh, Richardson and uh, Muhammad Wilkerson, Gerald McCoy. Ends, and, yeah. like, all, you know, if you if you take those interior defensive linemen, I mean, you have the kid, uh, who was the kid with the, the Titans? Titans, Jarrell um, Casey. Jarrell Casey. Uh, you know, obviously Justin Smith, but I think he's actually retiring, so – uh, so he's out of the league now, but the Packers with Mike Mike Daniels. He's better than Mike. Da- I, I like my. I think Mike Daniels is one of the best players on that def- on that defense. But I think he's better than Mike Daniels. Yeah. I mean, Fletcher was dominant the last couple of months. Like he w- he's unbelievable. So that's where I kind of stand on him. It was very interesting talking to Fletcher during locker room cleanout. You know, I just did the question. You know, what made you take that step? What allowed you to become the player who you were this season? And he just said it was word from D'Amico Ryan's. Don't be afraid to be great. If you believe that you're unblockable, you will be. You know, just it's a secret. Yeah, you know, but just it's just little things like that. It's like he obviously has the talent. That's why he was the team's first round pick in 2012. No. Can we repeat that? Deep, <laughs> deep thoughts. Don't if be you afraid. believe that you're unblockable, you will be. Don't be afraid. I don't think that'll work to for be me. Great. <laughs> No. I think if I show up, show to, to you know, show up in Chip's office, tell him I believe that I'm unblockable. I don't think it's going to move <laughs> the needle for him. Yeah. <laughs> but you would believe it, though. Well, you would believe that's it. That's what I'm saying. As far as you know. Go inside linebacker. So decimated by injury. Speaking of Demeco Ryan's, um, talked to him on Monday. Said rehab has come along, but he is not one to give a timetable. He just said, "When I'm healthy, I'm healthy." You know. He said, "Amen." It's, he said it's similar to what he went through in Houston, but for the most part, it's like, look, I'll, when I'm ready to go, I'll be ready to go. Michael Kendricks, breakout season, tremendous performance. Casey Matthews, give him credit. He was someone who I think was kind of forgotten by most people. Everyone remembers how you know, he didn't quite pan out as that fourth-round pick in 2011 when he was thrown into the starting lineup in week one, and you know, the Eagles give up the touchdown up the middle to Steven Jackson on the first play of his career. I think he came back in a huge way. And he's actually he's one of the seven unrestricted free agents. So it's going to be an interesting decision there for the Eagles this season. Uh, Manuel Acho, you know, played well on spot duty. But I think the big question is going to be, what do you do with D'Amico Ryans? How much can you count on him contributing next season? Or do you think that Najee Good, you know, he'll come back from the injury. He'll be able to slide in alongside Michael Kendricks and, allow Michael to be Michael, as the uh, coaching staff said. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Acho and, and Casey Matthews did better than people expected. Yes. I think the, the defense didn't suffer that much, uh, as much as we might have expected. You know, after after the Texans game, we were saying that, that maybe the D'Amico injury is going to be uh, more hurtful than the Foles injury. I don't think that turned That's out to true. be the case. That, we, that um, we thought that. We did mm-hmm. think that at the time, right. yeah. So, uh, it's you talked about this before. When you have these injuries, you develop that depth. I think the Eagles probably feel a little bit better about their inside linebacker depth now than, than they did. But uh, I also think that they'll try to bring some bring somebody else in uh, younger here if they can, if the if the best available player board works out that way. PPA. Um, but, you know, D'Amico is a guy, you know, Chip has talked about how much he loves having D'Amico in the room. The, the defensive guys love having D'Amico there. He's a, he's a great leader. So uh, I think they might, they might be able to work something out. Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, D'Amico is – not irreplaceable in terms of uh you know obviously because 
you know, those guys stepped in and played at a really good, you know, a better level than we expected. But you're not replacing D'Amico Ryans and his presence on the in that locker room. Uh, and look, when he's in there, I mean, he played at a very, very high level, you know, and, and losing him was a big blow to the defense. But uh, getting Najee, Najee Good back will be a, 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 a be huge good. boost. And look, you got, you got those two guys in the back end now as your fourth inside linebacker or fifth inside linebacker, and that's that's pretty good. So it's a good group. Outside linebacker. Live questions here. You have Connor Barwin, phenomenal season, Pro Bowl, well deserved. You know he's been a rock. You know for in Bill Davis's defense. You know he was a guy who I think sacrificed. You know personal stats as the scheme underwent the transition in 2013. He was allowed to be let loose by Bill Davis. Career season. Kudos to him. Trent Cole. You know a lot of people are asking about his future with the Philadelphia Eagles, and you know Trent is someone who you know he's been here since 2005. He's you know, says he to, wants to retire an Eagle. Wants to retire an Eagle. Second in franchise history in sacks. You know, I think he belongs in the team's Hall of Fame down the line. Uh, he wants to remain here. And you might, in some ways, have to think about keeping him here, have to have him in the mix because Brandon Graham is a free agent. And Marcus Smith, first round pick, I still think there's plenty of promise for him, but he didn't get to be on the field much as a rookie. And it would be tough to just say, I'm going to count on that going in, into next season. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any chance that both Trent Cole and Brandon Graham don't return uh, because there's there's uncertainty at that position, but uh, and there's a chance they both return. So it, it, this is the most interesting uh, offseason decision, I think, is what happens with, with, with Brandon Graham. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I thought both guys played very, very well. We saw what Brandon could do as a starter uh, in Washington, and we've seen him look come in and, and play in that backup role and play really well, not just you know as a pass rusher, which we know, we know in the past that he can rush the passer, uh, but against the run he got a lot better, and he did a good job dropping in coverage as well. You know, I've been going through, uh, you know, so looking through at some of our film for some of the, uh, the segments I'm going to do in the offseason. It took me back to that Tennessee game where – you saw him drop in coverage against uh, Delaney Walker and, you know, and, and make plays down the field. You know, Brandon Graham has come a long way in the last two years. And, uh, you know, having him back will be good. Uh, but Trent Cole is Trent Cole. I mean, yeah. you know, he's been a is stalwart it of this Cole Trent? It, it is Trent Cole. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, I, the, what's the stat when he when he missed that Washington game? That, that was his fourth missed game due to injury in his career. That's crazy. He was held out of, I think it was that 2010 season finale where the starters mm-hmm. rested, treated it like a fourth preseason game. No, the guy just doesn't miss games. Yeah. Bottom you, you line. He had hand Cole. surgery. He, he easily, and it's funny because he joked with reporters at the beginning of the week of, leading up to the Giants game, oh, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to go this week. And you're kind of like, well, all right, you know, you had hand surgery. You know, technically nothing, quote, unquote, nothing to play for. You probably would understand to an extent. No, he was no. out there practice, practice all week, and he's not missing the game. No. Not not a chance to go after Eli Manning, especially. So the, question, the biggest question with Graham is going to be, he's been a good rotation player and special teams guy, but could he be the guy who is an every-down player? That's going to be the biggest question because he played 50%, roughly 50% of the snaps this season. We'll transition to cornerback, and – Obviously, the whole secondary is going to be under the spotlight. Because when you talk about giving up X plays, Eagles led the league in explosive plays allowed, you're looking at the secondary. And Kerry Williams, Bradley Fletcher, they had they had their ups and downs throughout the course of the season. They're, you go back to that Thanksgiving game against Dallas. They played probably their best game of the year there, being able to contain that Cowboys passing attack. Then you go to the Cowboys rematch here at Lincoln Financial Field. Bradley Fletcher... Struggles against Des Bryant allows three touchdowns, and it seems like 
Fletcher's game just kind of, you know, took a nosedive, whether it was confidence, whether it was technique, whatever it was, just had his struggles at the end of the year. He's scheduled to be a free agent. Kerry Williams, you have him back for another year under contract. After that, you know, Brandon Boykin, he played in the slot. You know, he didn't have the six interceptions like he did last season. Um, probably not as good overall. He said he grew more as, as a player. He said he felt he was more consistent with, it, with his technique. But, of course, everyone's going to point to the numbers that he didn't have the six interceptions. Nolan Carroll, we got a taste of what he could do playing on the outside, even though he's primarily in that dime linebacker package for most of the season. And then Jalen Watkins, we got to see him. And I thought it was good to see him get those reps and just to give him something to build upon for next season. But certainly this is a position that everyone's going to be looking on the offseason to see what do the Eagles do to improve at cornerback. Well, and you know, when Jeff Wheeler was talking about the, the specific areas in which the Eagles can improve, uh, you know, this comes to mind. This is what the, I mean. This is what he was talking about was was the secondary. So, um, I expect that we will see some change in the secondary this offseason. Fletcher is a free agent. It, you know, it's hard to. You can't really expect the Eagles to overturn you know three starting positions in the secondary uh, in one offseason. But I think I think we'll see some uh, some changes here. We've been there, done that too, with trying to replace both corners in one offseason, and it, it brought us Carry and Bradley Fletcher. So. Uh, I don't think that that'll necessarily be the way that they go. Like Bo said, it's it's tough to replace three out of four. And look, I I'm a Nate Allen guy. I watching watching this defense this year, it was. I don't think I ever came away from a game thinking, like, man, Nate Allen really killed them this week or anything. Like, like I thought Nate had a very good year. Uh, not you know, all things considered. Obviously, there were, were were there some plays that he gave up? Yes, but I don't think that he far and away was one of the biggest reasons why they gave up You know, X amount of uh, these big plays on the defensive side. I wouldn't be surprised if they bought him back, but if they did decide that they wanted to go a different direction, that wouldn't necessarily shock me either. He came back on a one-year deal, a former right. second-round pick back in 2010. Uh, he's a free agent. As I said, men mentioned that Fletcher's a free agent. Uh, I think we've covered all the – there's 10 free agents in total, seven unrestricted. Uh, but Malcolm Jenkins, home run signing, free agent signing sure. for the Eagles, no question. He brought versatility, playmaking build, everything that I think Bill Davis and the Eagles were looking for to help stabilize that defense. Uh, but then you look at guys like, you know, does Chris Brzezinski, you know, great on special teams this year, midseason acquisition. Is he someone who could be in the mix for next season? Uh, Jerome Coupland, don't know much about yep. him. Is he a guy, you know, seems to be a physical talent. You know, can he, is he someone who could make inroads here? Uh, from a competition standpoint, don't but forget about Ed Reynolds. Read the the Ruben Frank story on EdReynolds.com. No, he was you know they they obviously kept him around the practice squad all all year for a reason. So give him a chance to develop. We'll like see. Rube's first question in the final uh, press conference for Chip Kelly was about Ed Reynolds, yeah. and then he spent 15 minutes in the locker room talking to Ed Reynolds. I expect there will be an opus coming on a huge, <laughs> on huge the piece. next Brian Dawkins. So it's time to tie Buffalo. So it's time to humble ourselves. Just a little bit as, um, you know, middle season, we did some playoff predictions. You we know, also did some in the beginning of the season, but that was lost to the Eagles. <laughs> Although one thing was not lost from that. All three of us did predict Tampa Bay to the playoffs and training camp, and they ended up with the number one overall pick. <laughs> that was really good. That was really good. I, also, I believe I also predicted Minnesota to the playoffs and yeah. Houston to the playoffs. Houston was close. but Houston, Houston I, was close. Yep. Bill O'Brien, I thought, did a – very, very good job. I know people are talking about coach of the year candidates and Arians will will win it. But for Houston to have a winning record and 
They were they they took the Cowboys to overtime. Mm-hmm. You talk about close losses. They had the Cowboys in overtime and lost. So, all right. So we we did these. This I went back and watched this week, and this was God uh, bless you. Week eleven. So, I'll start with the AFC. I took New England at one, Denver at two, nice. Indy at three, okay. uh, four with Cleveland, and my reasoning was nice. that the schedule looked good down the stretch. <laughs> yep, so good call. here's it my did. here's my I didn't I didn't bank on Johnny Manziel going in and blowing Don't. two games for them, but. Uh, well, you banked on Brian Hoyer, so Cincinnati at five. <laughs> Bo was outra- Bo was absolutely outraged that I would take Cincinnati and Andy Dalton, and then uh, the sixth seed was Miami. Miami fell short. Okay, okay. so four of six. Four of six. <clears throat> Bo went Denver, New England, Kay. Indy, Baltimore. Okay. Kansas City, Miami. Oh, I didn't take Pittsburgh. No, I didn't mm. take Pittsburgh. no. All right, four of six for me too. Chris went New England, Denver, Indy, Baltimore, Kansas City, and Cleveland. Mm. Four of six. six? Kansas City. And Kansas City and Cleveland. Cleveland. Okay. All right. All right. So, no blood. No blood. Now, NFC was interesting. We all we all picked the same exact six teams. Just different orders. Just different orders. I know I know that you guys both picked the Eagles as the one seed. Yes. I picked them as the two seed. Correct. I went Eagles one, Green Bay two, Seattle three, New Orleans four, Detroit five, Arizona six. Uh, so I wasn't too no. far okay. off. Um, Bo went Green Bay at one, Philly at two, Seattle at three, New Orleans at four, Detroit at five, Arizona at six. So good job, Bo. That's pretty we good. all believed in New Orleans. We all Poor believed in New Orleans. Yeah. Who was, uh, Stupid. We all were anticipating them getting in at nine and seven. We thought that they were going to go that they were going to get hot down the stretch. Yeah. Chris went Philly, Green Bay at two, Arizona at three, holding on for the division yeah. even with Drew Stanton at yeah. the time. Uh, New Orleans at four, Seattle at five, Detroit at six. So we all had faith in Detroit. None of us had Dallas in the playoffs, no. but we did agree that they would get the ten wins. So we anticipated that what happened to da- what happened to us would actually happen to Dallas. Exactly. Okay. So what what breaks the tie there? Uh, division winners. Should be division winners, yeah. Probably division winners. In which case, uh, I win. I didn't even look, but I I'm think just going <laughs> to. Well, you know, you had Cleveland winning. I had Cleveland but, winning, but so none yeah. of us had Pittsburgh. No, none of us no. had so, Pittsburgh. So I win. <laughs> there we go. So I'll take a look. playoff preview. So since we oh yeah, let's pick them. So you got. Uh, we'll start AFC, the wild card round. You have Cincinnati going to Indianapolis. I go. I think. I think the Bengals win. Really? I take the Daltons. Even though it's on the road, going against luck. Indy, Indy kind of limped into the to the playoffs. I, I think Cincinnati is the better team. I think Cincinnati wins. I'll take the Colts. I'm going to take the Colts, too. I'm yeah. going to take Andrew Luck. Okay. Uh, always fun. AFC North battle. Mm. Baltimore against Pittsburgh. I thought you, I told, in Pittsburgh, I, I said to Fran this week that I thought that I thought Pittsburgh was a sleeper to go to the, to the Super Bowl. I think a lot of people are starting to think that. But you know, now it, too many people are starting to say that. And... <laughs> And these games are like these games are tough. I think Baltimore might win this game. Le'Veon Bell, uh, his injury that's, going that's in. That's huge factor. That's big. Huge factor. I think I'm going to go Pittsburgh though. Flacco has Flacco has been playing that well, uh, you know, well enough for them to get in. Yeah, but they've been terrible. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think I got to go Pittsburgh here. I agree with Frank. Go Pittsburgh as well. Uh, let's go NFC, Dallas, Detroit. No Sue is big. Obviously. I think that was that's the key right there. Suspension. Um. I'm going to go Detroit. I can't pick the Cowboys. I'm going to Detroit. I'll just do that for the sake of it there as you go. well. Uh, Carolina, Arizona. In Carolina. I got to go Arizona. Carolina. I, think, I think Carolina is coming in kind of high. I, I Carolina go. by <laughs> double digits. <laughs> Carolina is going to win. The, the Panthers haven't played the, the defenses that uh, – that will be of Arizona's caliber. The, the last month that they've played their own division, 
I got I got to go Arizona. Cardinals. Are gonna I'm just trying to see how's Arizona score. We'll find Sean McDermott's crew is playing is actually played pretty well in the last month themselves. Yeah. So uh, that would give you so. And then go. We leave it at that. We leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. We'll, we'll, we'll touch base. We'll well, well, we're not. Well, the thing we is, won't be back next week. We're not true. back. So this is in. So now let's just do it all the way. So all right, go ahead. Go. Just who's your who's your Super Bowl? It's tough to. It's tough to see anybody beating Seattle right now. The way that they're playing, um, I think Green Bay may have peaked too early, and the injury to Rodgers is big. Even though he'll have the week off, it's tough to not see Seattle going into the Super Bowl for the NFC. Unfortunately, I agree. I have a uh, Seahawks. I have them being the Packers. I will say I'll, I'll I'll be different. I'll say Green Bay over Seattle. Okay. All right, and then uh, AFC. I mean, I hate to go with two one seats, but because it never happens. But it really they're happens. playing. They're playing well. It's yeah. not like they're limping into. Postseason. No, I gotta go. I gotta go New England, Seattle, New England, and from there, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go Belichick. I'm gonna go New England. Find a way. I I don't think the Broncos make it to the title game. I don't think so either. Who do they they could potentially they play, play? They would play Pittsburgh. I haven't played Pittsburgh in the. They would play the winner of that of that game. I. Yeah, I could see both those teams beating. Uh, sorry, Peyton. Denver. Yeah. I uh, I never would have thought I was gonna say this, but but we're here. So. Oh no. I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say. Andrew Luck carries a terrible Indianapolis team to the Super Bowl. Against the Green he Bay, does huh? It. He does it. All right. Andrew Luck if for it works out, If it works out where Baltimore beats Pittsburgh, so then he then Luck plays the Broncos, they could beat them, and then maybe he can win in New England. I don't know. I'm going to say it. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll have a little faith. So you've got Andrew Luck against Aaron Rodgers in the Super Bowl. Who's, win- who's winning? Packers. We need this for for historical uh, Packers purposes. Although now that I've picked the Colts, I sort of like the idea of Luck versus Andrew versus Russell Wilson, guys from the same draft class. But I'll, I'll stick. Yeah. With, I'll stick with Packers. All right, and then Seahawks Seahawks repeat. You've got Patriots. Seahawks over Patriots. Patriots. I've got Patriots over Seahawks. There you go. So that's gonna do it. Let's put a bow. Well, we have one here. Yeah. Who's your Who's your Super Bowl MVP? Brady. Mm-mm-mm. Brady's the MVP. Marshawn Lynch. Micah Hyde. <laughs> it is usually like the the Dexter Sorry, Jackson, the yeah. absolute Malcolm like, Smith. Yeah, the Micah Hyde punt return touchdown and an interception. Yeah, all right, the fluky things. So it's ten to bucks. Here we go. So all right, folks. Well, so this is this the last edition this of is the it. Eagles Insider Podcast until like Eagles May? Until, yeah, until after the draft. Eagles Beakley. Thank you. See. Little roll reversal. But we will be. We will have uh, in journey to the draft. Podcast. The journey to the draft podcast presented by AAA. Not not next week, but the week after that, the week of January twelfth. Uh, Bo and I will be traveling down to the East West Shrine game in beautiful St. Pete Beach. Uh, you guys are already uh, lining up the sites. Yeah, oh, yeah. Dockside dicks. So we're gonna go. Uh, we'll we'll uh, knock out St. Uh, we'll talk out St. Petersburg <laughs> at the Shrine game, <laughs> and. Uh, the week after What's that, the week of the nineteenth is the Senior Bowl, so we'll have uh, we'll have, we'll be doing podcasts from there daily, uh, and then uh, a couple weeks after that in February we got the combine. That'll be C Mac and I. So look forward to Indy, beautiful Indianapolis, beautiful Indianapolis, and everything that comes with it. Home of the Super Bowl losing Colts. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, lo- lots it's, to come, lots to come. I just wish it wasn't golf season already. 
I'm with you, man. That's you know during that Washington game, like I said, we're in the in the studio here, same studio we're filming now. I'm just like, I'm not ready for the off season. You got emotional after the uh, in the yes. post game show. See, yes. I, got emotion- I got pretty emotional. Like like tears. Yeah, almost. Yeah, I caught it. Cause really? it's Wow. Because as you wait all year for this, and it's just it's gone by so fast. I I was yearning for Monday Night Football. We're filming this on Tuesday. I was yearning. I usually I come home. It sounds painful. I you know. Re- <laughs> <laughs> that was that was me on the post game show. Uh, you know, read the kids, put the kids to bed, grab dinner. It's Monday Night Football, and That's I was good. just like, <laughs> "Those me." It's good. I like that. So on that note, uh, it's been a hell of a season, guys. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Poor, Brian Thomas. Brian Thomas. Thomas Bryan. Outstanding work behind the scenes. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you very much. <laughs> to all the Eagles production crew, God bless for having to edit this each and every week. Final seed. So so for Fran, for Bo, I'm C-Mac. Guys, we will... Uh, We'll talk in a couple weeks. Couple weeks. We'll see you on the journey yeah. to the draft podcast. When Presented you, when by you, When you look, uh, when you when you walk along, you look at the footprints in the sand. You'll notice that there, uh, there's a point where it's only one, <laughs> one set of footprints instead of two sets of footprints. That's not us leaving you. That's us carrying you on the journey to the draft. We'll see you in a couple weeks. <laughs>